from, uh, from TV land, as we used to say back in uh, the day that I was uh, young. Um, we welcome you and happy Thanksgiving uh, to you all. So this coming Thursday is one of the more popular holidays that we celebrate here. And uh, it is a time that we are to be reminded to be thankful. Now, do you know that the Word of God talks about this uh, holiday? It talks about not only the holiday, but all the time. It says, in everything, give thanks, right? Because that's what our Father wants us to do because of what Christ, what Jesus did for us by dying on the cross. That's 1 Thessalonians 5.18, the Ed Hires translation. All right? So, be honest with me. As we approach this Thanksgiving, you think it's easy to go by that scripture and everything give thanks? Come on. It's difficult today to in everything give thanks, isn't it? Yes. So, I have good news for you today. And if you're a Christian, you know what the word gospel means, right? What does it mean? Good news. All right. So I want to I tell you what the Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, when he was asked to tell those listening to him what is the essence of the gospel, he said this. He said, For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He goes on in 1 Corinthians 15 to say, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ, Jesus, died for our sins, just as the scripture said. Jesus was buried. He was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. So to Paul, the entire gospel... He said this entire good news was all about Jesus. That's what he said. If anyone knew all kinds of stuff, it was Paul. He was a Jew and knew everything in the Old Testament, and he wrote most of the New Testament, so he knew that. So here's my question today. It's for you and it's for me as well. Are you, am I truly thankful for Jesus? You see, if you're a Christian At some moment in time, you accepted Jesus Christ. You invited him into your life to be your Savior and be your Lord. No matter how long it took you to get there, there was a moment in time that you did that. And guess what? You will never, ever have to make that decision ever again. But the decision to be grateful for Jesus, well, that's an everyday decision. And boy, we can be distracted by a lot of the things going on around us. So the message today, I want this to be a message that you leave very, very thankful. And regardless of what's going on, that this Thursday, when you celebrate Thanksgiving, regardless of who is or isn't there, that you will find the ability to be genuinely thankful. Because regardless... Regardless of all this going on, we can always be thankful for Jesus. So if you've ever heard me preach before, what do I normally start my message with? A song. See, I love songs. I love lyrics because I read lyrics, and sometimes they're secular songs, right? He ain't heavy, he's my brother was my last one. 
But I love the lyrics when they tie to Scripture. And I do use Christian songs. And I'm going, to, I'm going to play a song for you today. And, you know, every once in a while a song comes out that I, you know, there's a lot of good Christian songs, but some, I believe, have a special anointing from God on them. Now, not everybody always feels the same way about a song, but when a song has a large anointing, I believe a lot of people do. So Zach Williams recently recorded a song not, not too long ago, and he did it with Dolly Parton, and it's called There Was Jesus. And it ties so well to what we're going to be talking about today. So enjoy this song with me. Every time I try to make it on my Every time I try to stand and start to fall And all those lonely roads that I've traveled on There was Jesus When the life I built came crashing to the ground When the friends I had were nowhere to be found I couldn't see it then, but I can see it there was Jesus in the way and in the searching in the healing and the hurting like a blessing buried in the broken pieces every minute every moment where I've been or where I'm going even when I didn't know it or couldn't see it
What an awesome psalm. You know, it's been 45 years since I accepted Christ as my Savior, and that song couldn't be more real to me today because that described who I was. And that leads us to today's message. There was Jesus, only Jesus. So I'd like to introduce you today to Jesus with skin on. What do you think of that? Come on. No, he's not going to appear up here. But you're going to hear the reality of Jesus in three different people's testimony. All of these situations, for them, were pretty devastating when they occurred. But the situation turned out, well, I'm going to let them tell you that. Maddie Murphy, come on up. How many people love Maddie? Yes! I want you to know something. Whenever you hear the name Shiloh, you want to remember that Maddie came up with that name. So she's responsible for that. I have known Maddie a long, long time, and Tom, four decades, and uh, Maddie's going to share with us the reality of Jesus in her life. Good morning. Okay, I hope I can get through this without shedding any more tears, but uh, if not, well, please forgive me. So I'd like to start with two different scriptures. First one, Revelations twelve eleven, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the, the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. 2 Corinthians 1.4 says, We can comfort others with the same comfort we have been given. I've been asked to testify today as to the presence and the power of the triune God in my life. Trying to keep this task within the range I've been given is a little tricky, so that's why I'm reading this so I don't get carried away. Let me start by stating that life is hard. It doesn't always go your way. But there is a way that makes it more bearable and even joyful and abundant. I chose that life back in December of 1980, 40 years ago, when I encountered Christ and surrendered my life to him. I didn't totally surrender at first. But over the past 40 years, God has been molding and shaping me so that at this point, I have learned many things. Two of the greatest things he has ingrained in me are that he is sovereign and I can trust him in each and every aspect of my life, including losing my husband to cancer in 2012. We had been married 48 years. We received the diagnosis a few days before Christmas in 2007. The first two days or so, we were in total shock. Within about a week, together, through prayer and seeking God, we came to a decision to place Tom on the altar, just as Abraham placed Isaac on the altar as a sacrifice to God. The peace of God came over us as 
um, as we read and meditated on his word, our faith was increased each and every day as we spoke of the illness which had the potential to take his life. But we both knew that Tom's life was in God's hands. We trusted him for the outcome. Jesus was there. There was Jesus. The next four years were filled with doctors' appointments, trying to fight the cancer with natural remedies and eventually going the route of chemo and radiation. None of this was easy, but but with God, all things are possible. He gave us joy in the midst of the trial in many different ways. One of the greatest blessings was having our son and his, his family move back here to New Hampshire to be able to help us in our time of need. Also, we had our church family, Shiloh, here, which came alongside with all they could do to meet our needs. As 2012 progressed and his condition became worse, we began talking more about arrangements for his impending transition from earth to heaven. Because after all, Tom is not dead. He's more alive now than he ever was. That's one of the things Tom said to me one day. I mean, Ed Ed said to me, Tom's more alive now than he ever was. And I agree with that. I was beginning to see at that point that I truly desired not my will, but God's will to be done. I knew that heaven was a far better place for him where his suffering would be done and he would be dancing on the streets of gold with Jesus. I also knew that Jesus would be with me and fill Tom's role as my husband. There was Jesus. I have suffered losing a loved one, but in the midst of that suffering, I have experienced the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And it's in receiving that comfort that God has been able to use me in ministering to other widows that he places in my life as I go. And actually, not just widows. I meet with many single women that are lonely and need a friend and need someone to point them to Jesus. I now have a calling and a ministry to others who are suffering, and it's all because of God's presence, grace, and love in my life. I have found that being in submission to God and his will is the road to that abundant life that he has promised us. So am I grateful this Thanksgiving? You bet I am. And I'm thankful not only during Thanksgiving season, every day of my life, I have so many blessings that I'm so grateful for. All the praise and honor to God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You know, sometimes I think about what others go through, and I think about what I would do if I went through that. I don't know. 
that would be hard. I know God would be there, but boy, oh boy, I, I just know how Maddie uh, has just triumphed in this. I, I know some of the people she meets with, and what a blessing. All three of the things you're going to hear today are very different, but they're all very similar in that they have a conclusion brought about by one God man. And next, Steve Hammes. Where have you gone? There you are. Steve, an elder here at Shiloh, uh, and also he and Karen and family, very close friends of ours. And Steve has a very different testimony to bring you today. Good morning. So 26 years ago, um, I started a business with a friend of mine, and it started with just the two of us. And like many businesses, when you start, you're struggling. We lived paycheck to paycheck, and we really watched our pennies. Um, my partner was not a believer, so as things were tough, I would, um, I would tell him, you know, I'm going to pray about that. And over the years, it became kind of a joke where something would happen, he'd say, do, do your prayer thing. Um, but over the years, that became less of a joke because God answered so many prayers. It was an awesome testimony, and it became more of a serious thing. And over the years, we've hired employees, and currently there's 30 of them. And we take it really seriously that they rely on the company for their food on their table and their families. And we've never laid anybody off. Even when things get slow, we'll bring them in, have them paint or clean or do something just to get through that slow period, but we've never laid anybody off. And then in March, COVID hit. And COVID came in. It was totally different than any other slow time because the phone stopped ringing entirely. Nobody was calling. All of the work that we had scheduled was either canceled or it was just put on indefinite hold. Our manufacturers started to shut down. And customers wouldn't let us come to their homes or their businesses, so we were stuck. And this time, we were not in control at all. We were faced with the reality of how fast we were going to go through our cash and our reserves, and it was going to go very quickly. And we realized for the first time ever, we were going to have to lay people off and cut the pay of everybody else, including us. This is one of the hardest decisions that we've ever made. And I think a lot of times I'm guilty of this, as are many other, that we tend to carry our faith around in a jar. We take it out, and every so often we look at it, we try it out, we smell it, we look at it, and we even show it to other people, but then we put it back in the jar, and it's on the outside of us and not on the inside of us. And when the trials of life come, and they do, we rush to take our faith out of that jar and to try it and put it into practice, but it's unfamiliar, and then we get scared, and that's where I found myself. It's in times like this that we read scriptures in the Bible, like James 1 that says, consider it pure joy when you go through trials of any kind. In Romans 8.28 that says, all things work together for good of those who love Jesus, and sometimes it almost starts to sound cliché. And I'm used to making things happen. I'm used to getting in and having control and using my skill set to make something happen. But this time, this was different. I wasn't able to make things happen. Things seemed to be getting weirder every day. And it was very scary. But then there's Jesus. Jesus was there. And Jesus had all the answers. He had never left. And this wasn't a surprise to him. So I decided to stand on this scripture through this whole COVID thing. And it's Philippians 4, 6 through 7. And it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. 
Let your, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. So I told God all of my concerns, and I left them there at the altar, and I said, they're yours, and I'm going to trust you. We did end up laying some people off, and we did cut the pay of everybody else, including us. But I told Jesus that he was driving the bus, not me, and I trusted him. And the peace that he promised was there. I did go back a couple of times back to the altar, and I snatched everything off the altar and worried about it and was afraid. But I would go and I would put it back, and I would recite that scripture back again. Different seasons of life exercise different aspects of our faith, and this was a totally new aspect of my faith being exercised. We heard that the government was going to do the payroll protection program and that there was possibly some help, so we filled out all of the paperwork but everybody else is doing the same thing, and everybody's clamoring for that same amount of money. So would we get it? But there's Jesus driving the bus, making the decisions and calculating the route. I believe that he told me to get everybody together and to brainstorm, so we did. We got everybody together, and we came up with a lot of great ideas. And then a few days later, we found out that we were approved, and the money came when we brought everybody back. But we didn't have anything for them to do. <laughs> So we sat around and we started to implement some of the ideas that we had thought about and it slowly started to work. And every time this fear has started to creep in, I have to remind myself that I'm not in control and I could hand the fear over to him. And some would say, you know what, you're denying reality. But I wasn't. This was the reality. I wasn't and am not in control. Jesus is. He does care for us. He does love us and he does want the best for us. And I'm strengthened by this. We've made it so far, and God gives, gets all the glory for this. And there's Jesus, and I'm thankful. Thanks, Steve. As someone who owns a business and has employees that have been there for years and years, that is, without question, one of the hardest things uh, you can ever do, especially because uh, you love them and you want to make sure they're okay. So you've heard a couple of different testimonies in different areas that, that people have gone through. But then there are sometimes testimonies that you look at and say, wow, I, I have a hard time identifying with that. But I see the reality of Jesus so clearly. And that's one you're going to hear right now. Grace, come on up. Grace is uh, at New Life Home for Women. I got a chance to meet her. I don't, I don't know Grace hardly at all, except for the times we, we met. And, and she gave me her testimony, and I said, oh, my goodness. I want to hear from you, Grace. So you're going to hear a, a wonderful testimony about the presence of Jesus. Amen. God bless you all. When you come to God, you stand on so many different promises. Um, the Lord gave me one this morning in the middle of the night as I did my devotions, and I couldn't sleep. And he gave me Joel 2.25, which says that I will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. And God is certainly has been a restorer of years in my life because I, I lost a lot of years. Um, so my name is Grace. Um, I'm a resident of New Life. I've been there. Uh, for coming upon a year in January. Um, 
I am a mother of four. Um, my oldest is 21. I have a 15-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 7-year-old. Um, I'm a native New Yorker, and I came to the Lord when I was 16 years old. Um, me coming to God was a surprise even to me when it happened, because um, I was a pretty angry, um, rebellious teen. Um, at that time when I got saved, I remember having a few facial piercings, some green, and really, really, really red hair. Um, I was a promiscuous high school dropout, and um, I was a very uh, resentful, bitterly angry um, towards my parents and people in general. So I wasn't um, good company. Um, my attitude, though, was distorted. It was distorted by uh, the pain of having been abused um, as a child by a man that my mother um, settled with um, after she divorced my dad. And um, this person was a very twisted individual. Um, he exposed me to pornography, um, sexual abuse, psychological and emotional abuse. Um, it wasn't beneath him to uh, starve me. Um, to pour food on my head. Um, he beat our dog to death in front of me. Um, he wouldn't allow me to interact with my siblings. Um, and I was kept in a very dark room. Um, this usually well, always happened because my mom wasn't home. She was either working or in school. So um, even though he was really abusive to her, as you know, about st statistics and, and women that are in that cycle of abuse, it's very difficult to get out. Um, and one day, though, she did make the decision to leave under the pretense of going to buy some cigarettes. Um, the store that we went to was right by the A train. And, and she said, you know, do you want to go to the store? Or do you want to get on the train and go to grandma's? And um, even though it involved her leaving my two younger siblings behind, we left and we never went back. And um, I was eight years old. I had lived in that house for about five years. Um, by the time I was 12, I started to have flashbacks, though, about um, all these repressed memories about what had happened. And I was consumed with this accusation against my mom about why she didn't do more to protect me. Um, apart from that, I also had so much guilt and shame because of the way that I was living my life. Um, so all this was just inflamed um, by my own dysfunction and my own immoral lifestyle. So when Jesus came into my heart, it was like an eternal hug and kiss that I needed from like a long time ago, you know. And it gave me great life. It gave me great energy. I remember uh, going back to school, immediately getting my GED. I dropped some weight. I just started telling everybody about God. I got involved in everything there was at church. I sang. I danced. I, I did every cantata there was. Um, but I still was really grappling with this identity crisis, which is that I couldn't reconcile this holy God with a person like me. Um, Everything that had happened had really, really ingrained itself in who I thought I was. I never felt worthy. I never really felt loved. Um, and I still maintained old friendships, old behaviors, old attitudes. And it was evident in my words and actions, um, even though I really did do well to hide it. So what it made me was super religious, super legalistic, and... Um, I had no concept of God's grace. I wouldn't go that deep with God. I would only go but so far. Um, so 
I thought it was on, up to me to change. I thought I had to do things. Um, I had no idea that it was about bringing yourself to God, about surrender, about trust. Those things were very, I, I just wouldn't go there with God. So eventually, I'd go off on my own, and I had my first daughter at 19, then again at 25, and by now, I had checked out of church and basically renounced my faith. I wanted nothing to do with Christianity because I felt like such a loser at it. Um, and then I entered um, some pretty dark years in which um, I put way more stock into working and studying and earning money and accomplishments um, than in finding reconciliation with God. Um, <clears throat> I preferred spiritual deafness just so that it wouldn't bother me. I didn't want the Holy Spirit bothering me because God is alive. He will do that when he, when he belong to him. He'll, he'll chase you. He'll go after you. Um, but it was a scary place to also wind up because there's no telling where you'll end up when you, when you push God out. Um, so my old ways became the way that I lived. Um, I was totally bound by sex addiction. Um, the voices of my, child, my childhood, um, very rageful anger. Um, and I was as far from God as I could ever stray. Um, I wound up meeting someone at the age of 29. Um, I wanted to start a life with him. And uh, I wound up giving up total control to a man that was even angrier, sex-addicted, dysfunctional, and um, also had a cocaine addiction and was an alcoholic. Um, so it was a total loss of my identity and peace of mind. And, you know, you wind up learning things about people gradually. When they have these kinds of monsters, they don't show you um, right at the onset who they are. Um, so by the time I was in too deep emotionally is when I began to learn more and more about who he was. And, uh, then I felt very committed to, to staying. Um, I wound up dragging my two older children into this, um, nightmare and it really did affect them too. Um, I had two more children, um, with this person, um, but because of the abuse, the emotional, the, the, the way that I was being used constantly, I became very depressed, anxious. Um, my health began to really decline. Um, and I had almost lost all hope, except that I began to remember um, the God of my youth, the God that found me when I was 16, and I began to pray and ask God to help me. And those prayers back then were not many words. It was really usually just crying and crying and crying. But God understood my tears. Um, and I began to beg him for mercy and forgiveness and to come and help me and help me. I had no advice to give God. I just asked him to come in and, and set me free. Um, and the Lord heard me. Um, he sent an old friend of mine from church back into my life after a 10-year hiatus and um, I began to listen to everything she had to say, every word of advice. Even though I was not ready to leave the relationship, I did put it on the altar, and I asked God, please either change him or take him away, get him out. And um, God came in and wound up getting him out. It, it, it seems simple, but at the time, it was a complete miracle, the way that it all uh, unfolded. And because I saw God's power and his care for me, and that he loved me, even though I had nothing to offer him. I, had, I, I was just a mess. Um, it convinced me that, that God truly loved me. It, it, it meant so much to me um, that I was willing then to take more steps to being obedient 
and to getting free, if, if at least just for my kids. Um, so uh, I took another step of something I did not want to do, which was to go to a shelter. I stayed there for a year by the grace of God. Um, I went back to New York. I was living in Florida at the time. Didn't want to do that, but I did that also. I went back to the church that I had so, um, you know, in a sense, publicly failed because they knew me so well. Um, I was ashamed, but I went back because I knew that's where God wanted me. And uh, then I realized also, because of all the sickness, I was just so tired. And uh, the last act of obedience was going to New Life, something that I ran away from for 20 years um, because New Life was, was in, you know, uh, spoken to me when I was 19, and I was, at that time, absolutely closed to the idea. But I knew that I had no other choice. I was losing my apartment. Um, I was sick as ever. My, all my kids were not with me. So um, I agreed, and, and it has been the best decision that I've ever made because this is where I came to know true trust and surrender and God's restoration and the cross being enough for me. Um, I didn't think that just because Jesus died that I could say, it's all behind me now. But God has come to, to take me down those very dark corridors of my past and heal me at the very root of my trauma and set me free. And I haven't even really done anything but said a yes to him. And that's how good God is. He's so merciful, so faithful. And uh, he really is the God of impossibilities. Thank you. Wow. I don't really know how to put that together. Hard for me to identify. You know, if you ever think you've had a challenging life, I, uh, that is the reality of Jesus to me. You are. You, your life is the reality of Jesus to me. Because no one else, nothing else. And, and that's what I want you and me to take into Thanksgiving this week. As we look around ourselves at, at this world and, and, and just see what's happening, it's bizarre. But you know what? Jesus is still there. That same Jesus is still there. You know, without Jesus, we wouldn't know who our Heavenly Father is because he wouldn't be our Heavenly Father. He would be our judge. Without Jesus, there'd be no Holy Spirit because only his sacrifice allowed our Heavenly Father to send the Holy Spirit, to live inside of us so that we can walk through this life with a whole different vision and view than the world has. We have hope. And that's what I hope you will take in to this Thanksgiving, not just for your own life, but there are people all around us that are really struggling with what's going on. And you have hope. If you can't specifically say the name of Jesus, you can bring hope to them through your words. You know, Jesus is not only our master, our savior, our rabbi, our priest, but this is what he said before he went through this horrible sacrifice and and rose from the dead. He said, now that I've told you all this, I now call you friends. You know, I I have had some pretty cool friends in my life, but to have the God of all creation say to me, Ed, you're my friend. That's pretty awesome. 
So I don't ever like to have the reality of Jesus share without giving you an opportunity. If you're here today or if you're listening in today, I want to give you the chance today. Maybe you need to start your testimony. Maybe you need to get over something in your life. Maybe it's a struggle with a relationship. Maybe it's depression. So many people are going through today. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's an anger issue. I don't know what it is, but Jesus is powerful to take you through that and to have you rejoice in the success of overcoming that. So if you're here today and the struggles of life are just a lot for you, I'm going to give you an opportunity to begin that testimony here right today, November 22nd. I hope that's the right date. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you're sitting out here, primarily this prayer is going to be for those who you don't have a testimony started yet. But if you are a believer and you're struggling right now, trying to find Jesus where you are, then you just say this prayer in your heart. You believe in and confirm that you believe this prayer. And I know that God, who is faithful, will give you the desires of your heart. So Father, I come with those today that don't know you, and today they're going to make a decision. They've had this talked about all around them. They've, they've heard about you, but Jesus, today, they're inviting you into their lives. And for those that, that may know you, but, but are just going through a time when they're saying, Jesus, where are you? And you're there. So as we pray this prayer, Lord, heal their hearts. So Father, we come to you today. We believe that you sent Jesus, your only begotten son. You sent him to this earth. He became a human being so that he could go to that cross and suffer the most horrible death known to man. But that wasn't the end, Father. You would raise him from the dead through the power of the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that you then sent to live in us. And by faith in you and trust in you, by confessing you, Jesus, we have this eternal life. We have this ability to know that you're for us. You're our friend. So I believe and accept that today. And Jesus, in your name, I trust and accept and believe this to be true. So if you said that prayer and you're here today or you're there today, there's only one other condition. If you've never started your testimony, and that is that you tell somebody. So call somebody up. If someone's sitting next to you, if you're here and someone's next to you, come up and talk to me. I have a book I can give you that'll help you start this new life. If you're struggling and you prayed that prayer and just said, boy, I need I need Jesus again to make himself real to me. Come up, we'll pray with you. Love to pray with you. I want to know who you are. If you're out there and you've accepted Christ and you can't tell anybody, you don't know who to tell, you you email me, ed, ed, at shilohcommunity.church, and I'll get back to you. So as we close today, you are so blessed. You're getting two songs today. Come on, is that amazing? We're going to close out with another song that so goes along with our message. We're not going to do the whole song in this one, but I'd love to leave you uh, with this, Only Jesus Casting Crowns.
Make it count, leave a mark, build a name for yourself. Dream your dreams, chase your heart above all else. Make a name the world remembers. But all an empty world can sell is empty dreams. I got lost in the light, but it was up to me to make a name the world remembers. But Jesus is the only name to remember. Thanksgiving to all of you, and may this be one of your best Thanksgiving ever. God bless you all. to remember